Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Naked Gaming Podcast with me, Chris Barrow. And me, Georgia Mills. Still brand new, isn't it? You know, episode two of the podcast, but it still counts as new, don't you think? Oh no, we're old. We're old hacks at this now. <laughs> we're tired and jaded. I haven't looked at the stats, but it was nice to be number one in the charts, wasn't it? <laughs> oh could... yeah, it's so good. And Amazing. I can't believe we're rich now. Oh hooray! We're so rich we could buy all the games, uh, which is handy for this podcast. Uh, we're going to look at uh, gaming news. We're going to review some new releases as well. And if you missed last week's episode, we discussed game release cycles and what it takes to get an idea from concept to consoles. If you have a hit, if you make a first game and it it hits, it's incredibly hard to recreate that in the second game. So if you missed that, check it out first. Now this month, we're going to talk about a number of things, but there's one main theme. Georgia, take it away. Oh, esports. Have you heard of them? Because they are on the rise. We'll find out what it takes to make it as a professional gamer, not a job I realised existed. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? And on the other side of the coin, what about being a gaming commentator or a caster, as they're apparently known? I found this out quite recently because I watch quite a lot of games being streamed on Twitch and various platforms and they always go, oh yeah, the casters are doing a great job and I was sitting there going, what? But now I know, caster equals commentator, so we're learning here. Not cool slang for podcaster. (laughs) I know, which it should be, right? (laughs) Um, George is looking at whether esports can actually be called sports as well. Uh, I'm going to look back at the history of eSport from its kind of very early days where prize pools were 10, 20, 30 quid, right to the modern era where we're looking at kind of millions of pounds worth of prizes that are up for grabs. Uh, We're going to talk about new releases as well. Georgia, what are you going to look at this week? Uh, It's not super new, but it's uh, one of the most recent games I've played. It's called A Way Out. Ah, Never heard of it, so look forward to that. Um, I'm looking at Fallout 76, the online-only version of Fallout. Is it any good? Spoiler alert, no, it's not. But (laughs) (laughs) find out more later on. And why don't you tell us what uh, we're going to do for Retro Revival this week? Retro Revival, we mentioned it last week, is mm-hmm. the one and only Crash Bandicoot Insane yes. Trilogy. I'm really excited for this one. And also, there's news coming in that Crash Team Racing is coming soon later on this year as well. So we'll probably end up doing that. Oh, the they've got months. our number, don't they? They know how to get us. They know how it is. If you want to get us, though, you can get in touch. You can email gaming at nakedscientists.com. Let's start by looking at the news, and today we're focusing on esports. To take the Wikipedia definition, esports is a form of competition using video games, most commonly taking the form of organised multiplayer video game competitions between professional players and teams. Fortnite, League of Legends, Counter-Strike, they all have their own competitive matches, their competitive scenes. Hundreds of thousands of viewers watch matches from the comfort of their own homes as well. So Georgia has been looking at the history of esports. 
The first recorded esports event was for students and took place in Stanford University in America in 1972. And the game, Space War. It's one you might recognise if you saw a picture. You play as a ship represented by a basic white triangle outline, and you fly around 2D space blasting asteroids. Eight years later, and we have the first large-scale competition, which was held by Atari for the game Space Invaders, and had over 10,000 participants. This popularity led to further tournaments being held and even televised in shows like Starcade throughout the 80s. To win most of these games, you simply had to beat the high score. But in the 90s, with the development of better head-to-head games like Street Fighter 2, this all started to change. People could now take each other on directly with multiplayer deathmatches, and several yearly fighting tournaments were set up that still continue to this day. But in the late 90s, we get the arrival of the internet. Now, loads of people could battle each other in massive online tournaments with games like Quake and World of Warcraft. And then we get to the 2000s, where a new generation of consoles and better accessibility to the internet again increased the popularity of competitive gaming. Since then, esports have gotten bigger and bigger, especially in South Korea, generally considered the world capital of esports. Viewers flocked to tournaments in the thousands. In 2014, a League of Legends tournament attracted 40,000 fans to a stadium, one which had previously hosted a Football World Cup semi-final. While online views through services like Twitch reached tens of millions. Competitors in the tournaments are professional full-time gamers who can earn plenty through prize money and increasing levels of sponsorship. And the prize money is staggering. In 2018, Epic Games announced they would provide $100 million of prize money for competitions of the game Fortnite. Previously, the biggest prize pot was a mere $38 million from Valve's Dota 2. In fact, the stakes are so high now that performance-enhancing drugs like Ritalin and Adderall have become common in competitions. So with this kind of cash and that many people involved, esports might be the most popular pastime that so many people have never heard of, and it's only set to get bigger. Thanks, Georgia. So let's start off with an amateur gamer hoping to turn professional. Jake Cave is the manager of Northampton Town's esports team. They compete in FIFA Pro Clubs, which is a specific kind of game mode. FIFA 19 is, of course, the latest in the football series, and hundreds of thousands of players compete online. Jake told me how exactly it works. So I've been playing competitive pro clubs for around three years now. I started um, back end of 2015. Um, just wanted to take it to the next level, really. I've always been a fan of gaming, as most people are um, around my age. Um, And yeah, just sort of wanted to take it to the next level, see how good I was and take it to the competitive level. So how old are you now? 27. So you've been started at 24-ish? Yeah. And pro uh, clubs, for those who don't know, that's a FIFA kind of mode, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, so you've got your, your different modes, like Ultimate Team, a lot of people know about um, sort of kick-off mode, where you just control one player and then you switch between the 11 players. This one's different in the fact that each player is controlled by someone else. Um, so it's 11 versus 11. Right, 11 real yeah, human 11 players. Yeah, 11 real human players against 11 real human players. So it's a lot more realistic um, in terms of, yeah, there's a lot more teamwork involved than there would be normally. 
and I suppose that means you have to get together in a group, or you know, you can play online. Obviously, you, but you, have, online, yeah. you have to have quite a big team to play this. Yeah, thing. well, yeah, at least eleven. Um, obviously, people have commitments throughout the week with like work, uh, family, social life, that sort of thing. So you sort of uh, have a fairly bigger squad just in case uh, anyone can't Subspech. make it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> and if someone steps in and plays well, then they, they'll keep their spot. Can I just ask you about the way? Because obviously there are different positions, mm-hmm. and therefore if you're a better, at, you know, playing defence, then you're going to play as a defender. Um, are there players who prefer playing on the left, and therefore you could say they're the equivalent of an, a left-footed kind of gamer? Definitely, really. Yeah, I've I've come across that a lot. Even myself, up until recently, would only play one side. What's your position? Like, I'm what, a striker. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I used to only like playing on the left-hand side because it means I could cut in and finesse it around the keeper. Yeah. Um, but with the where the game is now, sort of driven shots across goal are more effective. So I like playing on the the right now. Is there like a captain? Do you captain the team? Would you say? Um, or you sort of manage and organise? Yeah, sort of organising the sessions, um, getting the sign-ins in and making sure people are turning up on time and that sort of thing. Um, so you're like the coach, basically? Pretty much, yeah. Does it feel like you're kind of coaching yeah, the team? Yeah, to, to a point, I have to sort of give instructions. I like my teams to play in a sort of certain way, sort of playing out from the back and playing through the phases. Um, but yeah, I suppose you could call me that, yeah. Do you do a pep talk at half-time? Try to because you've got it's, to, haven't you? Yeah, you've it's, got to. Yeah. It's, com- it's competitive. It's yeah. no joke. Well, if, they do, if they're doing well, then obviously you say like, keep this going. Let's not switch off here. But you know, if things aren't going so well, people need to be told. There's a uh, prize money at stake as well. Occasionally, I know that um, this is quite a hard scene to make money in, particularly with pro clubs, because it's not as much money as, like you said, some of the other kind of genres, modes that, that are available. Um, what kind of prize pools are we talking when you get to compete for actual money? So we were going to go to a tournament uh, in February where the prize fund, depending on the amount of teams, would have been up to four grand. It's a lot of um, money. It is. For pro clubs, that's a ridiculous amount of money because it's not really that well known. It's not that well backed at the minute. Um, so that would have been, yeah, a lot of money. And you split that between 11 people, it covers yeah. your weekend, it yeah. covers your expenses and a bit more. So so not at the point, obviously, where you could give up other stuff and take this seriously as a career. But I suppose that could be the aim eventually. to try Definitely. And, take and yeah. I think more and more football clubs now are recognising that. Um, there's clubs all over the place. I think Man City, West Ham have got involved now. Um, I've seen Ajax launch one last year. So it's not just in this country, it's across the globe as well that people are recognising it. It's like Premier League clubs, like you say, have signed up gamers to play for their esports mm-hmm. teams and then they go and compete and people you know thousands hundreds of thousands and, and sometimes even you can get towards the, the upper figures there people are watching it online you know? yeah and it's not just fifa either fifa is probably not one of the most popular ones when you've got like league of legends you get you know hundreds of thousands of people watching yeah. that and the prize money at them can go up to a half a million dollars it's just incredible how how big this is and how big it can be because it's still fairly new as well and they're just talking about it recently about being potentially played at the olympics at the asian games yeah um so there's a huge potential for it so that's jake cave there from northampton town fc esports good luck on the journey to turn pro so let's take it on another step we'll stay in northamptonshire to look at what it takes to make it as a professional gamer and to run a team that plays all kinds of different games professionally John Winkle is the managing editor of Epic.Lan. They put on esports events. John also manages players. And appropriately enough, as a lot of gamers communicate on Discord or Skype, we did the interview over the internet, and he's been involved in the competitive scene for more than 15 years. Well, been running LAN parties since my university days, so back in 2003. Yeah. I ran my first little event, Village Hall, uh, as a typical LAN party was back then. Uh, yeah. Played games since as soon as I could have a computer or as soon as I was allowed on. I think it was a, 
an Atari ST for anybody who remembers those. Yes, way classic. back, and then first nice. console was the Sega Master System. I've carried on playing since then. I, I'm no better than I was when I was a, <laughs> a kid, but uh, I prefer to sit back and, and organize things now instead of playing. Now, for uh, if don't, people haven't heard of a LAN party before, LAN stands for Local Area Network, yes. which means that you basically, in the old days, which I think you're allowed to say now, uh, you'd, you'd sort of hook up your consoles together, you would literally sit in the same room as people, and you would game against them. Nowadays, it's a little bit more complicated, of course, with uh, the advent of the internet and things like that. You can do it on your own, in your bedroom, which I get. I sometimes feel is a bit less social, because it's nice to actually see people face-to-face, don't you think? Exactly. Uh, I think people thought when the internet grew and capacities went up and up that LAN parties would die off. Um, they're still growing even now, despite people having you know, huge internet speeds in their house. Ours yeah. is growing year on year. Uh, the UK, uh, the, the largest LAN party in the UK has about 3,000 people. Worldwide, there are LAN parties up to about 10,000 people. Wow. And it, exactly like you say, you you can't substitute that that playing face-to-face, seeing your opponents across the row, Having a bit of banter between uh, between the opponents as well when you get a good kill, um, you don't get that when you're playing online from home. What are some of the big games in the scene nowadays? Because you know people used to play things like GoldenEye multiplayer for controllers. You know that was almost <laughs> seen as the definitive game that you had to play. But what is it nowadays that people like to play either in a LAN setting or even just online? Uh, from an esports point of view, uh, your, your top titles at the moment, Counter Strike is still going strong. It's now Counter Strike Global Offensive, but that's had many iterations in the past. Uh, Dota 2, which is a, a MOBA game, uh, is still huge from a viewer point of view. Uh, League of Legends is, is growing again in the UK. Um, but, and then there's the obvious current titles, and we're trying to watch where they go from an esports point of view. You, you like the Fortnite. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, they, they've got a merging esports scene, so we're, we're keeping an eye on those to see where they go in the future as well. Have you seen a spurt in interest since the advent of games like Fortnite particularly? Because I, I've personally noticed, playing quite a lot of games myself, there seemed to be, before Fortnite, where you you know had a lot of StarCraft 2, Rocket League even was quite big, mm. stuff like that, but then you've sort of got post-Fortnite, where you've got like really quite young kids, 12, 13, 14, really interested in this kind of thing now have you noticed a, a, a resurgence almost i think games like Fortnite have made esports a little bit more mainstream I'd, I'd say fifa is having a similar effect as well it's getting more eyes onto esports in general and then once people are watching things like twitch for their favorite Fortnite players they're then being exposed to other games uh, that are perhaps more competitive from an esports perspective um Worldwide, the biggest prize pool in 2018 was $25.5 million for a Dota 2 tournament hosted out in Canada. Even in the UK, there were two tournaments that took place in the UK last year uh, that each had a million dollars prize pool, one for Counter-Strike, one for Dota 2 in London and Birmingham. So, yes, esports as a career, as a player, is an option, but there are loads of other career options as well that people don't necessarily realise from... um, commentators at esports uh stage hosts backstage staff even people who are interested in in gaming but who perhaps want to pursue careers in finance and marketing all of those traditional jobs exist in esports as well for people looking for careers john winkle there who's the managing director of epic.lan so with thousands of viewers on platforms like twitch watching players go head to head you need a commentator to explain what's going on and in gaming they're known as casters 
So I caught up with Lorinda, who's a professional Hearthstone commentator, one of my favourite online card games that I watch a lot of on Twitch. It's based on the characters from World of Warcraft. You may have played it before. We also did the interview over Skype, as a lot of casters will essentially commentate on games from their home. So this is the kind of quality that you're used to hearing if you watch a lot of Twitch stuff. So where did it start off for Lorinda? So as a kid, I used to be pretty good at computer games. and But obviously at my age, I'm, I'm an old guy, I'm late 40s. Um, that was in our amusement arcade with people gathering around. <laughs> so you'd sort of try and get like 12 people to watch you and that'd be really exciting. <laughs> and then I took a bit of an exodus from gaming for quite a few years while I was doing other things in my life. And about six or seven years ago, I just got back into it, um, watching various esports on, on Twitch, which is the major platform still. Yeah. And... I just decided, look, I want to do this. I've always liked like wrestling and stuff like that. I, I felt that the atmosphere was very similar with all the entertainment being provided. And obviously, I'm, I'm not going to be wrestling at my age. So I thought, well, <laughs> let's, let's get into games again. And I just decided to give it a stream one day to see how that went. And you know, I had one viewer. Then six months later, I had 10 viewers. And I always treated it as if I had a million viewers, just as practice. Yeah. And yeah, then... Um, Someone called Callum Leslie, UK journalist, set up um, casting Chinese Hearthstone. It was no money in it, but it was good practice. Got to cast with some good casters. And then eventually got a call up saying, hey, do you fancy casting our sort of slightly bigger event for a few dollars? And it just built from there. When you kind of made that leap from just a few people watching, when did it start to feel kind of real? Like, hang on a second, there's quite a lot of people watching here. When was that kind of first moment where you thought, there is actually like a million people watching? I think there was a day that I got, I mean, my first international viewer was a big deal. It wasn't just a friend who was watching to help me out or something. I still remember him dropping by. I'm like, oh, my goodness, somebody from America is watching my stream. This is is ridiculous. Um, But I got a host from one of the best arena streamers called Shady Bunny, and he hosted me for three or four hundred viewers. And I was just about to go to bed. I'm like, well, (laughs) no sleep for me tonight. And the, the rush was sensational. It's like, oh my goodness, I've got 300 viewers. But yeah. it, it started to sink when I started getting 30 or 40 regulars that I recognised who are coming back for more. And that's when you start thinking, okay, this is this is going somewhere. And I suppose you're most kind of well-known nowadays as a, a caster of Hearthstone. I mean, actually, mm-hmm. that's that's where I came across you in the first instance anyway, because I'm a, just a big fan of the game myself. Um, what is it about Hearthstone that you think has that kind of quite a general appeal? Because I know that lots of kids play it, but also, you know, people who should know better, like me and, and adults, you know, we love watching it. So so what is it about that as a game that you think is so popular? Um, in terms of being the most watchable card game, it's just very watchable. You can see what sort of health total each player's on when that goes to zero, that player loses. And even if you don't know what's going on, you can see the numbers on the screen in, in pretty big, clear font and the health totals going down. Even And like pretty animations, good sound effects. Um, so even if you don't understand it, you still get a feeling of, OK, that thing does eight damage and that guy's on eight health. He's yeah. going to die. He's got to do something. Yeah. And, and I think compared to other card games where a lot of the text on the cards is like six lines long. <laughs> um, some of those games are very good games. I, I, I definitely don't want to knock other games in my genre because everyone should help each other. But Hearthstone just has that sort of cartoony appeal with a very deep game behind it. And in terms of esports in general, it's something that I think the mainstream is now becoming aware of. I know it's been growing for years and years. Um, but how do you see the scene now? Because do you, do you see it as we've kind of peaked or do you think there's still a, a lot more esports action to be had? 
Uh, I'm not just saying this because it's my job, because by the time this matters, it probably won't be my job anymore. <laughs> but I do feel that esports is the future of competitive stuff. Yeah. Um, I think eventually it will override. I mean, you're never going to lose the, the feeling of wanting to you know, kick a ball into a net or hit a ball with a stick as far as you can. But I do feel that this will slowly but surely overtake regular sports in the next sort of 30 or 40 years. Uh, it's just so popular with people under 25. And you can do it from your own home. If, if it's cold and blustery outside, you can still load up whatever game you love and, and try and beat people at it. Thanks to Lorinda for the insight into what it takes to become a professional caster. Stop kidding around. Snake. Let's move on to some new releases then and review some games that have been out fairly recently. I mean, I tell you what, Georgia, why don't you start and tell me what you've gone for? Because again, and this is what I love, it's a game that I've never heard of before. Uh, So I think I mentioned last time how much I love co-op games. Mm. And uh, I got this one for my birthday. Happy Uh, birthday. Oh, it was a long time ago, but thank you very much. <laughs> still partying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still going till the next one. <laughs> um, but my uh, one of my best friends, we always play games together, so he got it for me. I think as a present for himself, basically, so he'd get to play it too. Classic. But you, uh, the idea is you're two men in prison. Each of you chooses a character, and you basically have to, as the name suggests, get out of the prison. So it's called A Way Out. What's your plan? Stay the hell away from me, okay? It's quite fun because, you know, one of you will do one thing while the other one does something else. So it's kind of like a puzzle. And then every now and then the... Um... Uh, excrement hits the fan as well, mm. and you have a bit of an action sequence. I like that you had to think about what words shall I not say there. <laughs> yes, I'm being I can very hear careful. It. I can hear it. Um, so uh, I have actually heard of this. You've reminded me because of your description now. So this game itself, it's pure co-op. You can't play single player, or, or can you? Yeah, pure co-op. So you have to have at least one friend. It starts off great fun. It's very, um, it's very sort of new. It feels like a new thing, like uh, one of you sort of lying in the hospital bed and the other one's trying to sneak off and get a key and you have to sort of cause a distraction all the while staying in your hospital bed sort of thing. So it's quite fun, like, seeing the other person sneak around while you're trying to sort of help them out. And that is really, really fun. But it's one of those games that really railroads you. You kind Mm. of have to do exactly what they're thinking of. There's not much room for creativity and they kind of went very much like down the line of they want it to be like a film. So the the players have very strong characters. So again, you don't really get that feeling of like immersion that you're in there playing it. You feel like you're kind of watching a, watching a film and every now and then you're doing stuff. Uh, so there were lots of like really nice touches, but all in all, it was like a bit easy, a bit short. And there were a few bits that felt like the characters were doing stuff you didn't want them to do. And that's quite frustrating when you're playing a game, I feel. But worth worth a go maybe you want to rent so a way out then it's available on well what did you play on playstation presumably i played it on playstation yes. yeah you love the playstation don't you oh, I love uh, it. it's available on xbox as well microsoft windows so what would you give it out of 10 to give it a rating oh maybe six not bad at all <laughs> uh, let's go for what i have been playing uh, i would like to say a lot of because this was a game i was unbelievably excited for um it's the next and the latest in the series of fallout games uh, it's called fallout 76 which as we said earlier is 
online only. Um, I mean, I think I slightly spoiled this review by saying that it's a terrible game. It, it's possibly <laughs> the worst and most expensive game I've bought. In terms wow, of, well, that bad? The thing is, you spend, you know, 50, 60 quid, and I pre-ordered it so I could have access to the beta which I've never done before. I'm not a beta player. You know, I like to play final versions of games. You're, you're an alpha, Chris. I'm an alpha, exactly. I'm, you know, I'm pre-build. I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, I got it in the, in the beta. It didn't work at all. I could not log in to this on any of the servers, except for on the final day of the beta. I managed to get in. Um, and what you do is you walk around in true Fallout style, except that there are no characters to talk to, apart from other online characters. So, and just stepping back, what's the Fallout style for... Uh... So the Fallout style is basically a first-person shooter, post-apocalyptic, you know, there's been a nuclear explosion, but some people are lucky enough to be in underground bunkers. Hooray, they made the right life choice. So, you know, they stay in the underground bunker, sometimes they go into stasis and wait 100 years or whatever, then they come out of the lift and there's always this moment in every fallout game where you you get out into the great outdoors and the light kind of the blinding light starts to seep away and you can suddenly see into the distance and it's always an an incredible moment in the games um but usually you've talked to a few human characters along the way or you go and meet your first person in a village there's none of that in this game at all it's online only years after our great nation began, we gather together to honor the completion of Vault 76. This sprawling underground shelter may have been engineered by Vault Tech, but it was built by you. So that if the bombs do come, our way of life will endure. You talk to computer consoles and they give you missions. And those missions in the early days are are some of the most boring missions I've ever had. Like, go and find some wood. So you go and find some wood and they go, hooray, go and build a camp. So you go and build a camp. Hooray, go and kill a zombie. But it's just, it was so boring. And I I just, I really didn't like it at all. I was so disappointed. Um, And then they've released patches and they've tried to make it better. And, you know, there's, there's all these missions in the high end game i'm never going to get that far because it's boring it's just a boring game sadly um definitely not worth the money for me um is it is it wrong to give a game zero out of ten that feels oh, i love it go for it okay i'm just going to go hard in here zero out of ten don't waste your money but th- on the plus side i went back to playing fallout 4 which is amazing go and get fallout 4 much better than people say and if you finally want to find anything that's actually good on the xbox one x which i've managed to do you can get um, a re-downloaded recut version of fallout new vegas which is very very tasty to play so i recommend that but fallout 76 steer well clear question go what happened between fallout 4 and fallout 76 uh, why it, are there so many missing games i couldn't tell you <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully when they do eventually make them and fill in the gaps some of them will be better than this one so yeah i think they just need a few more goes stop kidding around snake snake time for retro revival we're going to review crash uh, finally it's come crash bandicoot insane trilogy something that georgia and i've been excited for a lot what have we got I 
have to confess to you as well that I never played the original Crash series. So for me, this was kind of a first. Like, I'd seen it, but I've never actually engaged in the game. And it was quite difficult control-wise. Um, so maybe George's opinion might be slightly better, because I think you played the original a bit more than I did. Yeah, so I'm coming at this with full, like, nostalgia, <laughs> rose-tinted glasses, and you've yeah. got a sort of cool, collected logic yeah. opinion of whether it's actually a good game or not. Yeah, well, give me. I want to hear your insight first, because I think it's kind of more interesting than mine. Oh, I just loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said just that. Hearing the hearing the theme songs again, the um... Ooga Booga. That's what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning, you see. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. It's uh I don't know, I didn't have the same problem with controls I had with Spyro. Maybe because it's yeah. a simpler game, you're just yeah. kind of running in a line. Um everything just was was lovely and yeah. I think I'm a hypocrite because last time I'm like, oh, well, they just made the same game again and that's bad. But this time I'm like, no, nah, it's pretty good. I'm <laughs> happy with that. Make the same game. <laughs> Make it again. My one criticism is that every single time you play it, they make you watch the same... 10 minute animation maybe not 10 minutes yeah like but it feels like yeah it feels where like they it, show you that they've made crash bandicoot you know into the modern graphics and yeah it's like well done but let me let me go and eat the wampa fruit now come on <laughs> i know you made it good that's why i bought it <laughs> yeah shut up and let me play what did uh, you think well i have to say that my uh, fiance is a huge fan of the series and played the originals and, and really loves it and and she hasn't stopped playing it you know she's been playing it for like a couple of months now uh, and just thinks it's the best thing ever so uh, clearly for the fans it's really really good i find it i actually find it quite a difficult game having not played any of the originals at all um but it doesn't uh, you know it doesn't mean i didn't enjoy it i like actually finally kind of getting that childhood moment of jumping and collecting all the things it's still i still can't get the hang of running towards the camera that's one of the things that, Is that uh, the uh, the boulder level yeah the infamous boulder classic level. boulder level um i just couldn't get the hang of that but it was a lot of fun if you like the originals it's it's a must buy uh if you didn't you know it might not be worth 100 percent of the money but uh yeah i'd say go for it what do you th- what do you reckon georgia yeah absolutely i and you get three games with it again so it's pretty good pretty good value i guess um yeah if you're a nostalgic idiot like me 100 percent, you'll love it well thanks for listening to episode two of the naked gaming podcast we're back for episode three next month hopefully i'll have managed to actually play through all of kingdom hearts one two and three which i was trying to do for this month um but it's just a long long experience but next time hopefully we'll be doing that uh, in the meantime well you know what to do prepare for the most convoluted plot in gaming history chris <laughs> uh, my sympathies um in the meantime if there's a game you'd like us to look at you can get in touch with us you can email gaming at naked we'll see you next time bye bye 